Would you turn with me to the 66th Psalm this evening? We begin last night talking about this scripture and a wonderful truth here. And let's, uh, let's read it, then we'll pray, believe for utterance to go on further tonight. Psalm 66, and down about the 12th verse, well, let me read verse 10 again. It says, you, O Lord, have proved us. How many know you've got to pass some tests? You've tried us as silver is tried. And you know when the pressure's on, you'll find out what's in people. Right? A lot of people can put on a smiley face and act like, you know, a Christian, act like a faith person, sitting up in church in air-conditioned comfort. Right? But it's when the pressure's on that you find out what's inside. I've had people come, you know, and they're just crying and carrying on. They're going, Brother Keith, I don't understand. I'm a faith person. This is not supposed to be happening to me. Well, you're not acting like a faith person. That's not how faith acts. Did you hear me? If you crumble when the pressure's on, you start coming apart at the seams, then you're, it's being revealed that you're not full of faith. You're full of fear. Right? And uh, it's only when the pressure's on that you really see, both in yourself and in other people. But I tell you what, it honors God. It pleases the Lord when you are pushed, when you're squeezed, when you feel like crying, when you feel like giving up. But you stand up even through tears and even through, uh, you know, bumping knees together and looking at bad reports. And you say, none of these things move me. God's on the throne. His word is true. He's never failed me. He won't fail me this time. We're coming through. Just watch and see. We're coming through. It's going to be all right. Right? That honors God. That pleases God. I mean, Joe Center down the street can cry and feel sorry for herself. Right? Takes no faith to do that. But we should, if we're going to have something different, than the world has. We've got to live differently than they do. We've got to respond differently than they do. And it'll be such a good witness. To the people that you work around. And people that you're in school with. And in your community. And in your neighborhood. When they see challenges. They see things come up in your life. But they see you do not fall apart. They see how you stand. And how you respond. And they'll realize they don't have that. They don't have that. They, that's not how they respond. That's not how they see other people. It's a witness. And it'll draw them. And then when they see the victory that results in your life from doing that, oh, they're going to want what you've got. Because everybody wants to win. Right? Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to live and not die. Everybody wants to prosper and not go under. Everybody. And our God has made a way for that to happen every time. The Bible said He always causes us to triumph always means always every time keep reading he said verse 12 you caused men to ride over our heads we went through fire and through water but you brought us out into a wealthy place hallelujah another translation says we went through fire and water Anybody in here been through anything? We've been through some things. 
But, how many like that? You don't stop with the fire and water. Right? Oh, Brother Keith, we're going through some... No, keep reading. Keep, well, boy, we in the fire. Whoo, we in the... Don't stop. Come on through the fire. Come on through the flood. Right? And let God bring you out. He said, we went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. One translation said, the living said, we went through fire and flood. But in the end, you brought us into wealth and great abundance. Is that still the will of God today? Can we believe for that? Can we put our faith on that? Now, don't feel bad. Don't feel intimidated. Don't feel inferior if you're broke as can be right now. Don't. Don't say, well, you know, what's wrong with me? I don't like being around folk that's got blessed and got things because I'm so broke. No, don't do that. It's not a sin to be broke. Just mighty inconvenient. Right? And don't feel embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Maybe you didn't know some things. And if you made some mistakes, all of us have. But don't be satisfied to stay there. That's the thing. Right? Set some goals in your heart and life. And believe that God, no matter where you are, believe that God can bring you up. If you don't start where you are, you'll stay where you are. But you can look up from where you are. I mean the brokest place, the most poverty-stricken situation. The Bible said he takes people uh, from the dung hill. You know what that is, don't you? And sets them with princes. Can he do it today? Can he take you from the lowest, darkest, brokest, most in debt Far behind place there is. And can he catch you up to where you don't owe anything. But you don't have anything. But you don't owe anything. And then can he take you on up from there. To where not only do you not owe anything. But you have a lot. You have a lot. He gets you to the peel off roll place. Somebody say what? What? Peel off roll. You know what a peel off roll is? Peel off roll. That's a great big roll of hundreds and thousands that you can just carry around in your front pocket or your purse. Somebody said, what's it for? Whatever. Because everything else is paid for. Everything else is done. This is just a peel off roll. Run across somebody and buy them a big dinner and just peel off a hundred or two and say, here, be blessed, you know. Peel off a thousand. Go buy you something nice. Peel off. How many like to get to that place? Just peel off a hundred or two or five or ten of them and say, buy you something. Let me buy you a suit. Let me buy you a dress. Let me pay off your car. How many believe it ought to be that way? Every church ought to be that way. Every Christian, right? Blessed. Blessed. But in order to do that, you got to be brought out of your broke place into your wealthy place. Your place of rich fulfillment. Your place of abundance. Hallelujah. Said out loud, God has for me a wealthy place. My place. My wealthy place. So if you're in a broke place, that's not the one God has for you. That's what the enemy had planned for you. You know, how many want to miss the will of the devil? 
Huh? You know, people talk about missing God's will. And a lot of folks do. But you know, we ought to miss the devil's will. And you know, if you're saved, you've already missed his perfect will. How many glad about that? You, you've already missed the devil's perfect will. Well, you know, his perfect will was for you to die lost and spend eternity with him in hell. We've already missed his perfect will. But if he can't get that, he has an acceptable will for your life. He, he wants you to be broke. He wants you to be sick. He wants you to be so incapacitated that you have no witness. You have no influence. I mean, if you're not going to go to hell with him, he certainly does not want you taking anybody else to heaven with you. He doesn't want you influencing anybody else, but tough, tough. We're going to entirely miss his will. We're going to miss his whole plan for our life, right? And be strong and be a real witness and influence a power for God. You know, reading the book of Job, it's sad how many people miss uh, the import and the main theme of the book of Job. All they get is 42 chapters of pain, strain, and suffering. And I guess I'm just like poor old Job. Well, you wonder if they know how to read. Because did you read the end of the book? Did you read the punchline? Right? What happened to Job at the end? Job got healed. You must say, I guess I'm like poor old Job. Glory. Job got healed. That means you're getting healed. Guess I'm like poor old Job. Glory. Job wound up with twice as much as what he had. And he was a multi-billionaire to start with. So I reckon at the end he must have been a multi-multi-billionaire. Go back and figure it up. Don't take my word for it. See how much money it would have taken to have all the stuff he had and run it and take care of what he had. Multi-billionaire. And historians tell us that they think that the entire trial of Job probably happened in less than a year. Maybe eight months, maybe 10, 11 months. Well, Job had a rough year. (laughs) Right? He went through some fire and flood. But God brought him out. I said God brought him out, healed his body. Restored to him twice as much as he lost. Brought, he was in a wealthy place. But oh, after that, God brought him into an even wealthier, stronger place. And just backing up though to look, the enemy had it out for Job. Didn't he? He was laying for him. I mean, if you look at the beginning of the story, he must have been around the protective hedge that was around Job. He must have been around it every day, nine, ten, ninety times a day, looking for holes where he could get in. Look at why. What's bothering him about Job? Well, the Bible tells us Job was a righteous man. Well, there were some other guys. How many know the devil hates righteous men and women? Oh, yeah, he does. But if there's anything he hates worse than a righteous man. It's a rich, righteous man. Oh, oh, the devil hates a rich. And if there's anything he hates worse than that, it's a really, really rich, multi-billionaire, righteous, godly man or woman. Oh, he hated him. Oh, he wanted to get to him. And how many understand if the devil hates it that bad, that's exactly what I want to be. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Why? Because in this old world, money talks. In this world, money has influence and sway. 
I know there's been times past when I drove up to a place in my little wore out pickup truck and people tried, they motioned me over to the back and asked me if I even should be in there. And I came, you know, several years later in my new car, nice luxury, expensive car. And boy, they waved me right up to the front and opened the door and two people met me and escorted me. I'm the same person. But in this world, you're treated differently. And the Bible said in Ecclesiastes that the wisdom of the poor man is not heard. Well, does God want his wisdom heard? Well, then we're going to have to have the vehicle to get it out. Right? We're going to have to have the resources to get on the mediums and get on the satellites. You know, thank God for all the people that are and the books and the resources and ability for people to hear. How many wants, uh, you know, the world to take us seriously when we talk about the gospel and to listen and pay attention? Well, the Bible said the wisdom of the poor is not heard, but God's bringing us up. He's bringing us out to where? He's bringing us where? He's bringing you. You where? To my, my, my wealthy place. My wealthy place. A place of ability. A place of influence. How many would like to do some greater things for your family? Huh? How many would like to buy grandma a new car? That's a little weak. All the grandmas should have said. Amen. Right? How many like to buy mom and daddy a new house? Huh? How many like to do some things for the kingdom of God? How many like to be sitting and listening to a project and you just sit there before the offering and say, Now, Lord, what you want me to do on this? You want me to do half of this? You want me to do all of this? What you want me to do? Because you can do it. Money's sitting there. Well, it doesn't come by wishing. But it will come if you begin to believe for it. And you put your faith out there. And you don't quit. And year after year, you just pump the word in you. And you exercise and you sow and you believe. God will bring you up, 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 up. Where it was a hundred, now it will be a thousand. Then you'll be given ten thousand. Then you'll get into the hundred thousand. Amen. Then you'll get into the two hundred and fifty thousand. But you got to start where you are. Right? And not quit. Not quit. Say it one more time. He's bringing me out to my wealthy place. Now, last night we talked about how this place is a God-ordained place. And that we are not just to decide, you know, on our own, well, I want to do this or this is what I'm supposed to be. Uh, like telling children and teenagers, you know, sometimes people make the mistake. They say, you know, honey, you can be anything you want to be. When you grow up, you can do anything you want to do. You're pretty, you're smart, you're handsome, you're intelligent. You can do anything, you can be anything you want to be. That is not true. Thank you for those two soft amens. It's not true. Because the Bible tells us that God has set in the body every member as it has pleased him. Right? And it's not for us to decide what we want to be. That's already been decided for us. It's up to us to discover what God has already foreordained us and predestinated us to be. We went into numerous scriptures and saw that God has set the limitations and times and habitations of mankind in the earth. And he has a plan for our life. Somebody said, well, Brother Keith, you believe in predestination. Absolutely. 
But I also believe that no matter how God has planned a life for you, you do not have to do it. God's planned, uh, you know, foreordained things for you, but you can live your whole life and never get into it. Never do it because you also have a free will. Right? And so we do not want to idle through and waste this life. How many know this life is very, very short? I mean, the Bible said it's like a vapor. It's like a puff. It's here. It's gone. That's talking about your life right now. My life. People get up. They go to work. And they get the kids ready. And they sweep the floor and clean the house. And act like it's going to go on like this forever. It is not. Right? And it's not something to get depressed over. I'm going to be glad when my tour of duty's done. Hmm? How many are scared to die? You should not be afraid to die at all. You should know what's going to happen. Right? My name's in the Lamb's book of life. What happens if I die? Well, your body quits breathing. You step out of it. Hmm. You look back and go, wow, <laughs> that's over. <laughs> and your angel is there. He says, you ready? You go, yeah. And you go, man, I feel good. I don't ever remember feeling quite like this. He says, you want to take the scenic route? I can swing you by the Milky Way. You go, man, show me everything. Show me everything. What's the fear about that? No, nothing. But in between now and then, if the Lord comes first or we live out our life, this is so valuable. This is so precious. We should not waste a year, much less 10 or 50 doing our own thing and squandering our time. Let's get on our knees. Let's get on our heart. Let's lay before the Lord in the bed. Let's pray in tongues. Ever how long it takes, let's seek Him. Find out, what have you called me to be? Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing and not waste a day? Right? Because, I mean, you blink your eyes and it's going to be done. Right? I mean, people that are older and approaching the hundred mark, they'll look at you and say, it seems like it was just yesterday when I was 17. You know, this thing is short, 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 short. Oh, but the rewards of those who are faithful. I'm telling you, we've got something to look forward to. So this place is God ordained. Now in God ordaining this place, he joins us to other people. That's part of our place. Our place is next to other people's places. Go to Ephesians, please. And look at this in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We ended up last night by talking about some people that got out of their place, that God put them in. We saw that the angels, Jude said, kept not their first place. Our first estate, King James says. We saw the devil, Lucifer. He was not made a devil, but he didn't keep his place. He got out of his place. He endeavored to usurp authority over his creator God, and it caused him to lose his place. Through enough rebellion and pride and disobedience, you can actually forfeit your place. Serious business. But in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Ephesians 4, it's quiet when I quit talking. Y'all believing with me? I tell you what, let's just notch our faith up just a little bit more here. Let's pray and release faith further, right? You do understand that what kind of service we have is not all up to me, right? It's up to all of us. 
and cooperating with him. So just close your eyes and let me uh, lead you in a prayer right here. Say it out loud. Father God, we reverence you. We reverence your word. We reverence your spirit. We yield to you. Enlighten our eyes. Open our heart. Reveal yourself to us. We'll respond to you. We'll yield to you. We'll obey you. And be doers. Tomorrow. And the next day. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's crank up our expectancy just a little bit more. And a lot more. Amen. Notice this in Ephesians the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4. He said. In verse 15, he said, speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up. Everybody say grow up. Grow up up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. Some way or another, the way that's worded in the King James, it seems like most folk read it and it's just like, mm-hmm, I'm sure that's good, but it just doesn't, it doesn't register like it should some way. Let me read it to you from uh, the English version. It said, under his control, all the different parts of the body fit together. And the whole body is held together by every joint with which it is provided. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. Listen to Weymouth's, another translation. It says, dependent on him, the whole body, its various parts, closely fitting and firmly adhering to one another. Now, what's that talking about? It's talking about you and me, right? He's the head. We are what? I'm not the body. I'm a part in the body. You're a part. In the body, all of us together make up the body of Christ. He's the head. Right? Well, we need to keep that reality in our thinking. Because he goes on to say, these various parts, closely fitting and firmly adhering to one another, grows by the aid of every contributory ligament with power proportioned to the need of each individual part, so as to build itself up in a spirit of love. If all the parts are in their place, and he talked about how closely they're together, well, just look at the human body. How close is the hand and the wrist? Well, I mean, just looking from the outside, where does the wrist stop and the hand begin? See what I'm saying? The parts... The ear and the side of your head. I mean that fusion there is seamless. These parts are so close together it's hard to tell at the juncture and joints where one stops and the other begins. And this is one of the biggest things that the body of Christ has struggled with. Because like an athlete, 
If you can get that whole body working in harmony. We just saw not long ago on the Olympics some amazing feats that athletes performed, right? You look at that and think, man, my body's never done anything like that, (laughs) right? And yet you've got a very similar body, right? But they've just trained theirs and trained theirs and sculpted it, molded it, strengthened it and shaped it and hardened it and pushed it until all the parts begin to sink. All the parts begin to work together and that body is trained and it can accomplish some amazing feats. Well, the devil knows that. He knows that about the body of Christ. He knows if the body of Christ ever functions as one man, he's had it. I mean, he's had it worldwide. You understand? And so that's why one of his biggest tools, his biggest weapons, is strife. Did you hear me? Because what does strife do? Strife, the effects and fruit and result of strife is a breakdown in communication between body parts. A separation, a severance between parts. And if parts are not working together... It's going to cripple the body. It's going to paralyze and limit severely the body. Think about coming to church tonight. What if your ankles had a falling out with your feet? (laughs) And your feet, your left foot said to your left lower leg, your calf. And you know, every time I look up there, you are. (laughs) I mean, it's calf in the morning. Calf and ankle in the noontime, calf and ankle when the sun goes down, calf and ankle, calf and ankle. And you're always telling me what to do. You're always giving me input. <laughs> and the calf and ankle said, well, I, all I see is you. I mean, it's foot, 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 foot. You're the one always gets to be in contact with the ground. You're the one always gets to determine the direction. And wherever you put out, I got to follow. One said, well, I'm fed up with you. Another said, I'm fed up with you. One said, well, forget you. Another said, forget you. And what if your calf and ankle was not talking and communicating to your foot? And your foot is not talking and communicating to your ankle and calf. Would you have had difficulty getting here tonight? But what if both feet and calves? (laughs) Do you see what I'm talking about? This is what has happened in the body of Christ. And we've got all kind of body parts. They don't even talk to each other. Don't want anything to do with each other. Go back to 1 Corinthians, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, said, For by one Spirit are we all baptized or placed into, immersed into, one body, all of us. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we've been made all, to, all made to drink into one Spirit. How many know there's one body, one Spirit, one call? One great commission, right? 
He said the body is not one member though, but it is many members. One body, many members. And if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer to that question? Well, no, it's still part of the body. How many understand this is an attitude? Right? Would it be far-fetched to say the foot has an attitude? Hmm? What kind of attitude? He's saying, well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. They don't appreciate me over there. They don't recognize my gift. You ever heard that before? It'd suit me if I never heard it again. <laughs> well, my gift. My, you hear so much about my gift. Well, they don't acknowledge my gifting. My gifting. And people talk about, well, I, Brother Keith, I'm ready if you want to put me in charge of something. <laughs> don't tell me you want to run something. You just told me more than you meant to. Right? How many of we got body parts with attitude? <laughs> Stinky attitudes. And his foot saying, well, I'm not in the hand bunch, in the hand group, and I'm not on the hand team. So I'm just not part of the body. Well, is it really not part of the body? No, it is part of the body. And you keep going if the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I'm not of the body. We're going to break off and just have an ear church. They don't acknowledge the gifts of ears in that church. So we're going to have an ear church where the ears are free. (laughs) I understand the church is not supposed to be all about ears. It's not supposed to be all about eyes. It's not supposed to be all about feet or hands. There are many body parts and they're all important. And they're all supposed to be working together and communicating with each other and appreciating and valuing each other. The devil knows this. Oh, he knows this. And he knows that if he can keep us splintered, a house divided, what happens? It falls. And that's why, you know, years ago, the Lord showed me this. Some of my crew might not have known why I'm so strong on this, but I am. There's a few things I'm very, very strong and completely intolerant of. I'm not talking about mean, but just no tolerance for. And one of them is strife. We have a policy around here at the church and the ministry, zero tolerance for strife. None. There's no tolerance. And one reason that is, the reason that is, because years ago the Lord dealt with me very strongly in a time of waiting on him. And he said this to me. He said strife. Because I was thinking about some of these things and looking at some scriptures like in James and different places. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And he began to help me to see anything that is under your hand, if you allow strife to remain in it, you're allowing the devil to manifest in something that I've given you oversight of. So it's serious. I'll give an account of it one day. Right? If I let strife tear this church up, I'll stand before the Lord 
I'll give an account of people that were hurt and lost because I let strife run rampant through it and didn't do anything. And it won't do me any good to stand before the Lord and say, well, Lord, yeah, but you know how those people are. And you know how my helpers were. And I couldn't say that because they'd get offended. And because he won't even hear it. Did you hear me? Because I was in a position to do something about it. And you don't have to be mean. You just are intolerant. You just do not allow it. You need to be that way in your house. I said you need to be that way in your house, in your business, in your ministry, your church. No tolerance. It starts at home. You don't argue with your kids. See how big that went over? No. If you do... You're teaching them to disrespect authority. No. Sure, talk, have conversations. Yes, let them ask questions. Yes, explain. But the moment they take an attitude with you and start, you hear that tone in their voice, you cut them off just like that. You say, stop, end the conversation. Why? I'm your mother. I'm your father. You don't talk to me that way. That's it. None of this. You know, the thing is, people watch TV. And they see teenagers screaming and yelling at their parents. And see, we've been told that's normal. It is devilish. It is ungodly. Did you hear me? It's not to be that way in the church. It's not to be that way in the home. It's not to be that way in anything that you have any say-so over. Right? Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. You got strife. How many remember James? Don't take my word for it. Hold your place here. Go over to James real quickly. Thank you, Lord. In the book of James, third chapter, James 3. Are you there? James 3, 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, this kind of stuff does not come from above. Where does it come from? It's earthly. It's sensual. It's devilish. For where envying and what? Strife is, there is confusion. Is that a manifestation of God's presence? Certainly not. And every evil work, could that be God's presence manifest? No. Whose presence is that? Every evil work would have to be a manifestation of the presence of the evil one. Right? Oh, friends. Listen, now, don't hear this tonight and think, well, that's a high and lofty ideal, but I just don't know that we can really live that way. If you want the full blessing, you must live this way. There's no option. Do not think you have to give place to the devil. What does the scripture say? Neither give place. Don't give him any place. Don't give him any opportunity. I know years ago, I remember it so clearly, the Lord taught me about this at that particular juncture. I taught healing school that day. And it was over, and we closed up the offices, and I was walking out. It was a cold day. And as I walked out of the door, locking it behind, it's dark, this young lady with this little small child in her arm come, and she was crying, and she said, Brother Keith, I'm sorry I didn't make it in time to the service, but my little baby's sick. Would you pray? Well, certainly. I'm ready to do that. And I looked at the child, and you could tell the child's got a fever. child looked like it's been crying all day. Doesn't look good. Doesn't feel good. I put my hand on its head. Boy, it's burning up. I started to pray. The Lord checked me. He said, don't pray. How many know we need to be led by the Holy Ghost? Now, we know that God's perfect will is for this child to be healed and whole. Right? We know that. 
But because people don't do God's perfect will, they can forfeit their right to God's perfect will in blessings. And so many times people pray and they don't get results and they just go on and ignore it. But if we listen, the Holy Ghost will show us. This has got to be changed. This has got to be fixed. This has got to be done. Now you can receive. Right? If we'd listen. Well, the Holy Ghost checked me. Don't pray. I thought, don't pray. <laughs> so I took my hand off in the back. I'm checking my heart. Well, what then? And just like that, word of knowledge, I knew in my heart what had been going on. I'd been looking at the baby. Now I looked up at the mother's face. She'd been crying too. Boy, she didn't look good. And I knew in my heart what was going on. I said, uh, you and your husband been having some problems? Oh, man, you'd have thought I'd have slapped her. She just broke out, boo-hooing and crying. And finally, after five minutes, I got her quiet and out of it. She said, oh, Brother Keith, it's been awful. we just been fighting like cats and dogs. I said, uh, the Lord just checked me that it'll do little good for me to pray for this child if you take her back into this environment of strife. You got the door wide open to the enemy. See, strife is the manifest presence of the enemy. The enemy can't just walk into your life and do things. He'd like to, but he can't. He's got to have an opening. Right? If he could, he'd have killed us all a long time ago. Right? I know uh, some years ago, well, actually when I first started in the ministry, these thoughts kept coming to my mind. I'm going to kill you, the devil. I don't mean I heard a voice, but just the thought, I'm going to kill you. You ain't going to make it long. I'm going to kill you. You won't live past that certain age, young age. I'm going to kill you. You know, just, I want to know, the devil's a persistent cuss. I mean, night and day, that thought of just, you know, out of the blue, I'm going to kill you. And what that's designed to do is get you in fear, going, oh, the devil said he's going to kill me. (laughs) Well, now you're believing for it. If you're scared of it, you believe it's going to happen. Right? You're in fear means you're believing for. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost inside me. He spoke up. Again, don't mean I heard an audible voice, but distinctly. He said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? (laughs) Man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Boy, that struck me with such force. Why don't you ask him why he hasn't already killed you? And at that point, I got sassy. I thought, yeah, yeah, bad boy. Why hadn't you already taken me out? I mean, why didn't you kill me in my mother's womb? Why didn't you kill me when I was two years old? I know you tried. Why didn't you kill me when I was 10? Why didn't you kill me when I was 15? Why didn't you? I had a lot of close calls. Why didn't you take me out? Maybe I guess because you just kind of like me a little bit and want to let me live a while. I don't think so. Why hasn't he already killed you? He tries, done everything he could to kill you. But the angels of God and the Holy Spirit have kept you to this present hour. And if you'll obey God and stay with him, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
For the evil one has had designs on your life and those of your family. And he's tried and he's set up accidents and he's set up disease and he's set up to take you out. But the kush no mahete and the gos no malatuji and the mambre de fisili. But the Holy Spirit has wrapped his arms around you and the mighty angels of God have watched over you and cared you and borne you and spared you. And balahas in the anos in the kitish and the dasa olafuduj. And if you'll walk with me and stay close to me, I will carry you all the way to the end, and you'll finish your course with joy, and you'll keep you, and I will keep you, and the wicked one will touch you not. Hallelujah. 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 But how many know you got to walk with him? Right? Got to walk with him. Got to stay with him. So the Holy Ghost asked me, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? It's because he's not big enough. If he could have, he would have. He can't. I like that word, don't you? He can't. (laughs) He's tried and could not. He's done his best. And here you and I still are, bright-eyed and kicking. Right? <laughs> Said out loud, I'm not dead. He tried to kill me. Now say it with sass this time. Here I am. I'm right here. He tried to kill you. Year after year. But here you are. Here you are. Why? Because your God is greater. Greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. That's why. That's why. Oh, that makes me happy. Does it make you happy? Glory to God. Glory to God. Where are you? James, go back to 1 Corinthians. And let me finish my other story. Remember, I was standing there talking to the young woman with the child. And uh, I asked her, I said, have you and your husband been having problems? Man, she just broke boohoo and crying. She said, oh, Brother Keith, it's been awful. I said, well, I said, uh, the Lord just checked me just a moment ago that that's got to be fixed. Or elsewise, we could get some temporary relief with the child, but you take her back into that house full of strife and it'll come right back. Because you're yielding to it. You got the door wide open to the enemy. So the devil, he'd do all kind of things if he could. But he has to have an opening. He has to have access Faith closes the door. Faith works by love. Love closes the access. Fear, selfishness, hate opens it up. Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Peace is the manifest presence of God. Haven't you sensed before? There are numerous times when God manifests Himself stronger and stronger. You just, if it's in a service, you just want to kind of slide down in your seat. You go, oh, glory to God. Glory. It's not upsetting. It's not frustrating. It's not vexing His presence. It's peace. He's called the God of peace. The Holy Spirit's the Spirit of peace. 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 Man, I like living in peace, don't you? The world is so frustrated and so vexed. Man, it's good. I'm so glad 
that I found the God of peace. And you can just sit in your chair all day and be happy. Even if something alarming comes up, you just look at it and go, God will take care of that. I'm going to be all right. This doesn't move me. I had a fellow come to help me one time at healing school. and He followed me around for two or three days. We came into the office after two or three services one day, and I sat down. I just sat there for a little while and got quiet. He told me afterwards, he said, Brother Keith, if you was any more laid back, you'd be in a coma. I said, thank you. To me, that's a compliment. The world is full of spastic folks. Right? I mean, you can find nervous people, right, everywhere, fearful people. But that's why people do drugs. They want to mellow out. (laughs) They want to chill on a new plane. Drugs can't give it to you. I mean, they can make you half unconscious or totally unconscious. They, you know, but they can't give you the peace. That's what Jesus said. My peace, I'm leaving with you. Not like the world. The world can't give you this. You can't find this in a bottle. You can't find it in a pill. You can't buy yourself enough clothes or cars or houses or jewelry to give it to you. No, no man or woman can give it to you. Don't put pressure on your husband or wife or your friend or your pastor or anybody to make you peaceful and whole. Your peace is not dependent on them. I can't have any peace because of my crazy husband. I can't have any peace because of my weird wife. Well, that's an easy out. I said, that's an easy out. But the truth is, you got the greater one inside you. And if you'll yield to him, no matter who's around, no matter what's around, in the midst of the storm, you can have peace and quiet. You can cast your cares on him. You can relax and rest because underneath are the everlasting arms. Glory. Glory. I said, dear, you know, y'all got to get this fixed. I said, if for no other reason, for your baby. No matter what you think of him or he thinks of you right now, for your child's sake, go home. And whatever it takes, if y'all have to stay up half the night, get this fixed. Get it fixed and shut the door. Then believe for the child's healing. It'll come quick. Come just like that. A lot of times people haven't wanted to think about those things, but you must, if you're going to get results in all cases, you have to look at the whole thing. In 1 Corinthians 12, are you back there? Hallelujah. He said, remember we were talking about body part attitudes. Remember that? You didn't forget, right? Have you, no, don't raise your hand now, but have you ever witnessed any body part attitudes? Can you relate to what I'm talking? Have you ever witnessed any of this? Attitudes. He said, verse 16, if the ear says, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body. I don't fit in over there. I don't belong over there. They don't acknowledge ear gifts. All they acknowledge is eyes. It's just eyes, eyes, eyes. I'm tired of hearing about eyes, and I'm tired of seeing eyes. They don't acknowledge the ear gift. So I'm not part of the body, and we're going to go start an ear church. And over the the years and the centuries, that's what we've wound up with. Ear churches, 
Eye churches, foot churches, right? Hand churches, gallbladder churches, <laughs> kidney churches. <laughs> now, kidney's a great thing. But if all it is is one big kidney, that ain't cool. Right? And none of us have it all. Not you, not me, none of us have it all. The Bible said Jesus had the spirit without measure. And you can see when Jesus walked the earth, he was the body of Christ in the earth. He had it all. He was it all. He was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all rolled into one. Nobody else you know is that way. Did you hear me? Nobody else is the apostle. If they are an apostle, they are an apostle. Right? Somebody says, well, they are. They're everything rolled into one. No, they're not. No, they're not. Back up and read this and you'll see. You're in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. And to the same one. Huh? Now what? To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. But to the same one. Now what? What does another mean? Somebody else. A different one. Another faith by the same Spirit. And to the same one. No. To another, a different one, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. He wouldn't have had to say to another every time. But he did. Why? For emphasis. To cause you to understand It's different. Different body parts have different graces, different giftings, different anointings. And none of us have it all. Jesus had it all. He had the full manifestation of gifts of healings. The full manifestation of working of miracles. Full manifestation of word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the spirits. He had it all. I don't have it all. I got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. But I don't have all the anointings for service. I don't have all the anointings for ministry. I just have what he gave me. But you have what he gave you. And how many know though if you put us all together, we got it all. And the devil knows that. Right? And he does. Oh, thank you, Lord. There are some things in these days that must happen. But they will not happen just with individual giftings and ministries. They'll only be done with combinations. Combined anointings. How many understand? You can do a certain amount with your finger. Finger power. But for the big stuff, what you going to have to have? Other fingers. Hook up with you. Now we've got multiple finger power. Is that right? You can do a lot more with four fingers. When you throw that thumb in there, uh-oh. Uh-oh. What about when we put the forearm in there? Oh, yeah. Now the whole arm, how about the shoulder? Woo, gets, how about throw the hips in there? With the shoulder, now you can move something. Right? 
multiple body parts. We've heard about it before. Corporate anointing. Multiple body parts joining together. But we've got to get free. You know, I can't have a mentality of this is the Keith Moore show. In your church, you can't have a superstar mentality. You've got to be willing for God to tap you on the shoulder and say, join with them in that project. Hook up with them in this project. Be open. Right? But, now here's another side of this. Keep reading in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? He's asking us a question. Let's answer it. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? There would be no hearing. Is it obvious we're missing certain manifestations in the body? Is it obvious we're missing certain kinds of operations and miracles? And some people think, if I'll fast enough, if I'll pray loud enough and hard enough, I'll bring it to pass. No, no one body part or three body parts can do some things. It's going to take some cooperation. Through multiple body parts. He said if the whole were an eye. Where's the hearing? If the whole was hearing. Where's the smelling? Well there would be none. But now has God set the members. Every one of them. In the body. As it has pleased him. You have a specific place. Where you fit. How many understand an ear. Has what kind of grace? Ear Ear grace. Not eye grace. You got ear grace. Ear has ear grace. Hand has hand grace, not foot grace. If you're a hand, appreciate the foot, but never try to be like a foot. Never try to be a foot. I know, you know, I served with Brother Hagin for many years. So thankful for that. Brother Hagin stood in the office of prophet, ministered in that ministry very powerfully. And because of that, and all of the students looking up to him, so many students would go out and try to be a prophet. And some with... You know, many problems resulted from it because they tried to be a prophet and they weren't. For instance, one fellow, bless his heart, was holding a meeting. And they were able to get uh, some local churches to cooperate in this certain specific meeting. So they had Presbyterians and Methodists and they had Baptists and they had Church of God and they had Assembly and they had so-called faith. And they had a bunch of folk there together. Well, they weren't into it 15 minutes. Until this guy decides he's going to prophesy to everybody. So he starts, you know, he believes he's a prophet. So he starts prophesying. And he called one fellow out and told him that he could see in the spirit that the Lord had uh, given this man a place high up in the city. High up in the city. And the fellow said, well, I drive a garbage truck. Well, he went to somebody else. He said, well, the Lord shows me that he's given you a strong anointing to sing. And the guy said, well, my wife don't even want me to sing in the shower. I don't sing. Then he started calling the fellow's name. He said, "Uh, somebody here named Vern. Vern, God's got a word for you. Vern, Vern. And he just wouldn't quit on and on and on for minute after minute. Vern, Vern, God's got something for you. Vern, Vern, don't miss it now. Vern. Finally, one of the denominational brethren stood up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord, Vern's not here. (laughs) Well, here's an ear trying to be an eye. 
Do you see? And just flopping and failing right and left, but not having enough understanding to realize I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I'm in the flesh. This is not right. But just keep on going. And it's not that the person is a bad person or doesn't have any anointing. They're just out of their place. It's an ear trying to be an eye. Now, you might think of digress, but you understand your wealthy place can't be separated from your rightful place in the body. Right? Your anointing and your place goes together. Your reward, your prosperity, your promotion goes together. If you're out of your place trying to do something you're not called or graced to do, you're not going to prosper. You're not going to be promoted. You're not going to develop. It's only in your rightful place that you find your wealthy place. Can you say amen? Say it out loud. Thank you, Father, for bringing me into my place. My rightful place in the body. My wealthy place in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Turn with me to another place here. In the book of Genesis. Now we read in Ephesians. 1 Corinthians 12. God's placed every part in the body as it pleased him. But then in Ephesians he talked about the different parts. Closely joined together and fitted together. Your place is not independent of other people's places. Right? They're all part of the same body. I know when we started out in ministry, we got the simple direction to go to Ramah. Didn't even know why. I thought we'd go one year and go back home to Mississippi. That was our plan. I didn't intend to be a preacher. Before that, I was going to be a fighter. I could kick you real hard, but I couldn't preach to you. And I got there and we learned so much. We were so thankful. And the Lord told me those three words. Help Brother Hagin. Three words. I didn't even hear an audible voice now. I didn't see an angel. I didn't have a vision. I got those three words real strong in my spirit. I knew it. The Spirit of God moved on me. I shed a few tears in the service that day. It was very real to me. Help Brother Hagin. And he didn't know me. I didn't know how I would. It looked to me like he had everything he needed. Like he had a lot of people around him helping him. But how many know it doesn't pay to second guess God? So I was there. Front row. Front and center. Every day. Every day. They needed a broom pushed. That was me. I'm your man. They needed this done. Trash can empty. I'm your man. I'm your man. I'm your man. But in seeing that, we were joined to them. And I didn't begin to discover my place. In the body until many, many years after I accepted that I was joined to him. Did you hear me? My place was inseparable from him. And if I'd have broke off from him, I wouldn't have got that supply. Did you hear me? That would have enabled me to get strong enough to discern my place. The devil knows this. That's why he is always on the work. 
If somebody does get in their place immediately, here he comes to lie and deceive. They don't care about you. They don't acknowledge you. They don't appreciate you. They don't. Well, who said they had to? People are so carnal. You know, the Lord never told me, help Brother Hagin if he brags on you regularly. (laughs) Help Brother Hagin if he acknowledges your gift. Help Brother Hagin if, you know, he gives you recognition, if he does this. That's being carnal. And yet you got a lot of people, bless their hearts, in churches, they're such babies. If you don't brag on them pretty regularly, and if you don't pump them up pretty regularly, they'll leave, they'll get offended, they'll run off. And it's sad because the people are hurting the most is themselves. Did you hear me? Because if God joins you to those people, then there are many, many things you will not get any other way. No amount of praying, no amount of fasting will you be able to get it straight from the head. It'll only come to you through the body parts he's joined you to. Now, if you don't see that, think again about the body. I want my hand to move to demonstrate something I'm saying to you. Did the signal come from my head? Yes, it did. But did it come through the air to my hand and my hand did it straight from signals from the head through the air? No, it did not. Where did that signal come from to get to the hand? Head, but it came through all kind of muscles and bones and nerves in the shoulder and the arm and the elbow and the forearm and the wrist. It came through. This hand did not receive its message direct from the head. It received it from the head through other body parts. And you can see why the devil works so hard to get body parts at odds with each other. Because it can cut off a supply of the spirit from the head. People don't realize it. They think, well, we just got huffy. We had words. We had a falling out. No big deal. Huge deal. You don't know what kind of supply of the spirit you've been severed from now. And it's cumulative. It over a period of months and years and decades, you can come to the place where your growth is stunted. Did you hear me? Your development is greatly curtailed. Why? Because you haven't been getting that steady supply from the head through the body parts he originally joined you to. I know a brother Hagen. When eventually, through you know, things happen, not in a year's time or two, but after a number of years, they asked me to teach in the school. And as I was preparing, I wanted to be thorough. I want to do the best job I could. So I'm reading after other folks, trying to get a broader perspective. I'm reading after this theologian and that theologian and this doctor so-and-so and this doctor with 12 initials after his name. And at one point, you know, I got all these different conflicting theories after some of this. And... uh I asked the Lord about one of these things, and he, man, he corrected me. I was surprised. He said, son, I could have sent you anywhere in the world. There are many good ministries 
who love me and serve me and are bearing much fruit. Not just Kenneth Hagin Ministries, not just Rhema. There are many good ministries in the world. I could have sent you to any one of them. I could have joined you to any one of them. I didn't. I sent you here. I joined you here. You're supposed to get what's here. That's supposed to be your main thing. Don't be distracted. Don't get to looking up and looking out and miss the main thing. He said, I'll add other things to you as time goes on. But right now, this is your main focus. Don't assume you've got all of this. Get this. Get what I've given him. Get what I've given through here. Get the supply of this body part I've joined you to. And as soon as I backed off of all that other stuff and I started focusing in where God joined me, revelation began to flow again. I began to see things. That doesn't mean that we think, you know, sometimes I've had people say, boy, we got the best church in the world. No, no. We can have one of the best. If we're the best, then everybody else is second best. And that's not true. Did you hear me? No, no. Well, that's the best ministry in the world. It might have been, see, Brother Kenneth Hagin, his ministry was the best one for me. To be joined to during that part of my life. Because that was God's plan for me. That didn't mean that's the best for everybody in the whole world. You know millions and millions have never heard of this ministry. Right? Sometimes we don't realize that. But the world's a big place. Get out and travel some you'll find that out. Right? But coming back to this. Do you see the great truth here now? That when God hooks you up. To people and ministries. And you won't wonder about it. It's real. How many know situations where you know God hooked you up with people? You know it. I mean, you wept. The Spirit of God come on you. Uh, You felt it for days and weeks. I mean, you knew, man, something supernatural is here. You just feel such an affinity with these people. You feel such a connection. Well, we must never, ever forget that. That's supernatural. Right? And we must guard that and do whatever it takes to prevent that from being severed. Because not only for our sake, but for theirs. There's supposed to be a flow of the Spirit from God through us to them. And from God through them to us. It's a reciprocal thing. Does that sound like what we read in Ephesians? I mean through this supply and through every joint. What's happening? We grow. We grow. We increase. And we are built Up in love, which is like saying built up in God. He is love. Beware, beware of the devil separating you from other body parts that God joined you to. I don't care if you despise what they did. I don't care if they treated you bad. Grow up and back off and see the big picture and go, there's a reason why God joined me with them. Right? Even if I feel like it's mostly for their sake right now. That's all right. Just stay with it. Because it's surprising how quickly that can turn around. And it can be more for your sake than you thought. Go to Genesis. Let's see a perfect example of this. Genesis 12. 1. The Lord said to Abram. Get you out of your country. Get out of here. Get out from your kinfolks. Get out from your father's house. Unto a land that I will show you. Did God have a place for him? And it wasn't where he was at. I'm sure his plan was to sit right there and stay. But God said, no, I want you to leave here. And Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place 
which he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. It takes faith to find your place, doesn't it? I think we'll get to that later on again. It takes faith to get to your ultimate place in the body of Christ, in the things of God. He said, leave here. I'm going to show you. You'll get there. You have to walk by faith. Well, he took his wife with him. And he took somebody else. You remember? Verse 4, who did he take? Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. He took Lot. And you see down in chapter 13. Chapter 13, Abram went up out of Egypt. He and his wife and all he had and Lot with him. Lot was with him. Into the south. And Abram was very rich. In cattle, in silver, and in gold. And let's just stop right here. God said, I got a place for you. Right? He left and is he drawing into that place now? Is he moving and what's happening? He's getting rich. Right? Is God bringing him into his wealthy place? Is the place God had for him a rich place? A place of above? You can see it. Here it comes. The stuff begins to come. Now, people don't like this, this simple, but I'm telling you, you don't obey God fully and believe him and follow him fully and you stay broke and get worse. Oh, that was weak. If you're really following God, you're really doing his will. Blessings are going to come on you and overtake you just like the Bible said. You're going to increase and increase and it's going to go well with you and you're going to go months and years without physical problems. Did you hear me? Your kids are going to be blessed. Your dog and cat's going to be blessed. Amen. It's a fact. But when, you know, it's hard and and you lose and you go down and you're worse off now than you were five years ago, something's not right. You should begin to ask yourself, am I in my place? Am I where God put me? Am I doing what he told me to do? So many are not. So many have jumped out of their place. How many remember the story here that Lot got out of his place? He did. Let's read about it. Abram is getting rich. Not just rich, but what verse 2 say? I like that word too. Very rich. Y'all are not happy enough about that. I'm going to have to camp on that some more. You know, you st- there's still so much religious junk around. We don't like to think so, but you know, when you've been preached to and your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents for generations have been preached that poverty is the will of God and poverty is holy, there's a lot of it around. God made Abraham very rich, very rich, 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 very rich, very rich. Say it out loud, that's God's will for me. We've got to get stronger on him. Rich, rich. You've got to say it until you smile when you say it. You can't just go there and go, oh, rich, Brother Keith. Yeah, rich. No, no. If you believe that you're on your way, not just to rich, but to very rich, it begins to do something to you. Your eyes begin to wobble and go, me. Mucho. Right. Mucho rich. Very rich. Very. See, you're doing better. I see you. Your countenance is beginning to come up a little bit more. Very 
rich. You see, the devil wants you to just pass this off and go, well, come on, Brother Keith, go to the next point. No. Very, very. Rich is good. Rich is good. Sure beats broke. But there's something better. Very rich. Very rich. Very rich. That's God's will for me and you. That's where we're going. He's bringing us out. Out of lack and poverty into our wealthy place. Until in the passage of time, somebody will be talking to you and you go, somebody says, are they rich? And they'll go, very rich. And I'm not talking about people that go to church with you. I'm just talking about people who know about you. Well, our mentality's got to be changed. Our mind's got to be renewed. People read scriptures like in Timothy. And he says, warn them that are rich not to be high-minded. And most Christians just read that over that. Yeah, those rich folks, they don't need to be high-minded. Who is that? You see what I'm talking about? People don't even identify with rich. Yeah, the more rich people. Who is the more rich people? You need to read that and go, yeah, I got to watch it. <laughs> I got to watch that I don't get, you know, puffed up. Boy, God's doing so much for me. I got to remember where I come from now. I can't, you know. Huh? See, the reason people are laughing is because they hadn't thought that way at all. Which means they believe they're poor. Well, we're poor, but we're proud. Both evil conditions. God will deliver you from both. Said out loud, God made Abraham, the father of faith, very rich, very rich. Is that his will for you? Are you called the seed of Abraham? Are you? Is the inheritance yours? Is the blessing of Abraham yours? Did that blessing include being made very rich, very rich? Very rich, very rich, me, Keith, very rich, Keith and Phyllis, very rich, very rich, Keith and Phyllis. Now, I can't believe it for you. I can believe it with you, but I can't believe it for you, and I can't believe it against you if you believe in something else. You need to get it in your mouth. You need to say it driving home tonight. Sing your own song about it. Rich, rich, very rich. God has made me very rich. Get up in the morning and go. You a rich rascal. Look at you. Look at your rich self. You are rich, rich. You are very rich, very rich. And if your head says, do you look at the checkbook? Say, shut up, shut up. I didn't ask you anything. We're very rich, very rich, very rich. Somebody said, I got it, Brother Keith, first time. No, you didn't or I would have. Quit saying it by now. No, it's not just your head that should get it. It's not being logged in your mental library. It's when it gets down in your spirit. And when it does, you will get excited. You'll begin to get excited and you'll just go around all day tomorrow with this funny looking grin on your face. And people go, what's with you? You go, rich. Very rich. You go, what? I can't explain it right now. Very rich, 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 
Very rich. Very rich. Very. Well, we do okay, but no, no. No, didn't say okay. Let me read it again. And Abram was okay. He did all right. Well, he had enough. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. He was rich and not just rich. He was very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Very. Very. Very rich. Very rich. You're liable to wake up tonight and sit straight up in bed and go. (laughs) Very rich. Very, very rich. See, prosperity doesn't begin in your account. Prosperity doesn't begin in your checkbook. It doesn't begin in your pocketbook. That's the fruit of it. That's the results. Long after something else happened. Where does it happen? You get righteous inside, and that affects your outside. You get healing inside. You know you're healed inside. That affects your outside. You know you're rich inside, and that affects the outside. Money begins to look for you. Right? You become a money magnet. It's true. It just, it hunts you down. Why? Because there's a spiritual force that is drawing it to you. There are a lot of people, they're actually repelling prosperity. Their spirit and their mentality and their words is driving it away. There are times when it's trying to come to them and they drive it away. Somebody say, not me. Not me. I'm a money magnet. I'm a blessing magnet. It comes to me. It's drawn to me. Because of the blessing. That's what the blessing of God is. Draws every good thing to you. Comes to you. Looks for you. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Blessing truck. Come at. Didn't he say they'll come on you and they'll. uh Uh-uh. Watch out. Run over you. Overtake you. But you'll enjoy it. He daily loadeth us. Here come another load. Here's a big load. Daily loadeth us with benefits. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You may think I'm wandering around and stalling time, but I'm not. This is important. This is essential. Getting it in our spirit. We, if we're in faith about it, we will be excited. How much faith? You can tell by how excited. You can. You can. Do you have any excitement at all about you being very rich? Hey, hey. Yeah. Very rich people can do stuff. I said you can do stuff. For one, you don't have to work all day and all night. Pay the light bill. (laughs) Huh? 
You have to spend all night trying to juggle bills and see which payment you're going to pay, which one you're going to put off till tomorrow or next week. Very rich people don't do that. They don't have payments. It's all paid for. Very rich people have options. Poor people don't. Poor people, they got to go. They got to show up and punch that clock. They got to. Rich people don't. Rich people can lay in bed and pray in tongues. (laughs) For three days. And have food brought to them. (laughs) And then rich people, very rich people, well, rich people, they can, you know, get ready and hear from God and the Lord say, fly over to Europe and visit that church. There's some people going through some things and I want you to encourage them and help them. I want you to write them a big check and then they're going to ask you to preach and I want you to help them. So rich people, they pack all their expensive bags. And then very rich people pick up the phone and call the charter jet. (laughs) And they say, I'll see you in a few hours. Does God need some people like this that it doesn't take all of their strength and all of their time just to do some menial things? Does God need some people that have ability and time and options and freedom? Oh, come on now. Would you volunteer for these positions? Yeah. Yeah. There was a time in Phyllis in my life where, you know, you just had to get up and hit it. And you just, all you're doing is eking by. All you're doing is paying your bills. That's it. That's all you're doing. I ain't there no more. (laughs) I can pretty much go where I want to. When I want to. Glory to God. Lord taps me on the shoulder and say, be in this country tomorrow. I can do it. I can do it. Go do this. Go take them a big check. I can do it. Oh, it's so much fun. I said, it's such freedom. It's so great. And it's not just for me. It's not just for a handful of people. It's for every believer, every child of God, every son and daughter of Abraham. Has the right to be very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Very rich. Now we're right here in Genesis 12 and 13. Look right on down what happened. Abram was what? And verse 5. Who else? Lot. He also, now notice how the Bible says it. He also which what? Which went with Abram had not just a flock, flocks, and not just a herd, he had herds, and not just a tent. That's like having a house in those days. Houses. Is it God's will for you to have Cars uh, and houses. uh. That's the perfect will of God. So when week of increase comes around next year, right, or the next, and people fly in, you say, hey, you can stay over in the West Wing. I won't even know you're there. And use that new car. I got four more over there. Use that one all week while you're here. And here's a peel-off road for you. 
be wrong with that. What's wrong? Why shouldn't we do that? Why should? Isn't that love? Isn't that grace? Isn't that godly? Yeah. Somebody say, that's me. That's where I'm going. That's what I'll do. God's bringing me out. Into my wealthy place. And from that wealthy place. I'll do all these things. He'll do them through me. And be a blessing to many. Amen. Now the big thing is that you just never quit. No matter how long it takes or what comes and goes, you stay after it. You say, no, it's got to come. It's got to happen. It's got to be that way. I'm staying there. Oh, glory to God. I caught a glimpse just then of some of you sitting right here. You're going to get there. I saw it. I caught a glimpse of it. <laughs> Woo. Somebody said, was it me? Was it me? If you believe it is, it's you. <laughs> Only thing that would keep you from being one of them. <laughs> is if you reject the message and you give up later. Never giving up. Now notice Lot had flocks, herds, tents. But notice how it says it before it says it. It said the Lot who went with Abraham. He wants you to know this is why he had flocks, herds, tents. Why? Because of who he was with. God loved Lot too. Don't misunderstand that. He loved Lot. But... It's so clear here. Lot was blessed because he was where God ordained for him, which was at Abram's side. Right? And how many understand that his prosperity was connected with Abram's prosperity? Was it? It is so obvious and crystal clear because look at the next part. The Bible said they had so much, verse 6, the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. Their substance was great. They could not dwell together. They had too many cows, too many sheep, too many goats, too many, too much. And that's the perfect will of God. And there was what? Oh, man. Friend, when you come to understand this, you'll get to the place where the first sniff of strife man you stand up on both feet and you say uh-uh no no sir no ma'am not here not in this house not in this church it will not be because you know what comes next when strife is left unchecked what happened what happened next separation what happened after separation you've read the story destruction failure judgment loss Where did it start? Back up. Let's back up. Let's get away from, you know, Lot and his two daughters committing incest. Let's back up to him losing everything he's got. Let's back on up. Let's back on up to him moving to Sodom. Where did it start? Where? Right here. Strife. Right here. Right there. A wise man would have never let it continue. A wise woman would have checked it right there and said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. Their employees are fussing and fighting. Strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and Perizzites dwelt then in the land. And Abraham said to Lot. Now here you can sit way back then. Abraham knew this. What would he say? He said there can't be strife now. And how many can see he is willing to do whatever it takes to eliminate this strife. No matter how much it costs. There's no, in Abraham's heart and mind, there is no monetary price too high to pay 
to stop the strife. And yet, you see, brothers and sisters have such a huge fight when mama or daddy died over some chair or some table that they won't talk to each other for 20 years. That's carnal. What will a spiritual man say, a spiritual woman say? Take the chair. Main thing is that there's no strife. Take the house. Very rich people don't care. It's only poor people that believe they're poor, that believe they'll never have anything if they don't fight and get this little piece. Oh, come on now, I'm doing better preaching than you saying amen, and God's helping us tonight. It's serious stuff. Now, you know, we're human. I've been there where it looks like somebody's taking something away from you, and you think, this ain't right. You can't do this. Oh, but friend, you better get a wake-up call to yourself real quick and go, hey, hey, now hold on. This money and this stuff is not the biggest thing going on here. It's my witness. It's my walk with God. And it's my love walk. My faith won't work if I quit walking in love. Besides that, they're not my source. If I don't get this little thing from them, that don't mean I can't have one. I'll have five of them. And the new ones are improved. Right? Faith thinks that way. I see Abraham's father of faith. That's why he had no problem walking away from all this land. Right? He had no problem. He said, take it. He said, there can't be strife. He said, you know, you go wherever you want to go and you pick exactly what you want to pick and I'll take the leftovers. This is a great man. This is a man of God. Right? I'm just saying there's money involved here. Major money. Oh, it's a shame how Christians squabble over such minute amounts. People act like the devil over a hundred dollars. Oh, it's pitiful. And that's why they don't get a hundred dollars. That's why they go from bad to worse and stay broke decade after decade. Abram said, no. Take what you want. I'll take the rest. Gracious faith is. And here's where Lot made his fatal mistake. Why is Lot rich? Because where God put him. God put him in his wealthy place. His wealthy place is beside this man of God. Is that right? He wouldn't have a cow. He wouldn't have a calf or a goat if he wasn't hooked up with this man. And he's experiencing the blessing because of the covenant of God. Is that right? But, now this is it. This is the danger of pride. See, now he's a big man too. He's got a lot of stuff too. He's got his own money. He ain't getting a check from Abraham. He's got his own investments. He's got his own money. He's got his own employees. He's got his own multiple businesses. He's got his own stuff. And so now he's a businessman. <laughs> And it's a good business decision to get all that prime real estate. But you can't pass a deal like that now because he's got business sense. And so he said, well, you know, all that land over there that's got all the water, uh, you know, the uh, lakefront and all the riverfront and all that. I believe I'll take that. Oh. 
How many can sense in your spirit what a moral failure it is for this man who didn't have a daddy, didn't have a family. Abraham didn't have to take him in. He didn't have to take him with them when they left. He didn't have to say, come here, Lot, come here, Lot, little boy. Now, see, this is not a purebred cow. They're asking too much for this cow. I'm going to buy these over here and you watch. It won't be six months. They'll be worth twice as much. And here I'm going to give you a little money. You buy you a calf when I buy mine. A daddy. A mentor. A leader. Somebody that cared about him. Every time the great opportunity came up, he'd call Lot and say, Lot, man, there's a deal going over here on these goats. I'm going to buy 3,000 of them. I think you ought to get in on it. So he bought when Abram bought. He sold when Abram sold. And he became richer and richer and richer. But now, he's a man of his own. He's big G. He got his own stuff. He got his own rides. He's got his own business. And he sees a business opportunity. He said, I'm going to take all that lakefront. I'm going to take all that riverfront. Abram said, okay, fine. Fine, it's yours. It's yours. I'll go the other way. I'll go over here in the dry, the dust bowl. Where do we see Lot next? Oh, he's a big man. He's a big man. He's so big now, he's going to open his corporate offices down in Sodom. He's a player. He's a wheeler dealer. He's global now. He, he's stretching out. And because he moved his place from the godly and put his place in the ungodly, when they were judged, he was judged. The judgment that came on them fell on him because he was joined with them. Oh. Next thing you know, he's lost everything. He lost all of his wealth, all of his stuff, all of his houses. He lost his wife, turned into a pillar of salt. And he's a scared old man up in a cave with his two daughters. If the man had had any sense. I said, if the man, we're talking about your wealthy place now. He went from a wealthy place to a broken, desolate place. Did God ordain that for him? Did God choose that for him? What caused him to do that? His pride? His selfishness? Dishonor? What would have happened? What should have happened? Abram, your patriarch. Man took you in when you didn't have a home. Man taught you everything you know about business. Man comes to you and tells you, he's so gracious to you. He says, look, Lot, we can't have this strife. You pick anything you want. You take any land you want, and I'll separate because we've got to stop this strife. What should he have said? No, no, sir, Father Abraham. No. We'll have a cow sale. (laughs) You tell me, what do you think I should do? I'll liquidate. But no, God hooked me up with you. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. I'm sorry my employees is smart mouth than yours. I'll have a meeting this afternoon, and if we have to, we'll do some fire and we'll do some rearranging, but that'll stop. I'll stop it. But don't tell me I have to unhook from you. Can I stay? Did you hear me now? Being the man that Abraham is, God would have given him wisdom. 
they'd have probably just took in another thousand acres somewhere. Right? God would have given them a deal. He'd have done something. But Lot would have still been in his wealthy place. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Raise up your hands before the Lord and you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. Father God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding to never do what Lot did. Help me to never be so blind, so ignorant, so proud that I do such a thing. By your grace, I purpose, I will honor those to whom honor is due. I will value and hold precious the God-joined positions and places that you've accomplished and that you will do in my life. I'll guard them. With your help, I'll watch them. I'll not let the devil separate me from what you've joined me to. And by your grace, I will stay and I'll be established in my wealthy place. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.